Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. <coughs> oh, hi, Martin. Oh, hi there. I see you're in the camera frame. This time. I was time. considering just leaving my office chair out a little bit from the desk, so it's yeah. just kind of in front of your face. Yeah, this is going to be like that time, that, uh, what is that, in Monsters, Inc., where Mike, Mike Wazowski is blocked over, but oh he's really excited. Gosh. I'm on TV. <laughs> now that's, their that's faces old, are just like downtrodden until they realize he's still happy. Yeah. Have you watched that movie recently? No, because the last time I turned it on, I felt really old, and then I had an existential crisis, and then I turned it back off. Why would you do that? Because I realized how old it was, and also because the computer animation was so dated looking that I was like, oh my god, this looked so good, I'm dying. Truthfully, it is. I need to move my coffee. Um, Now, I understand existential crisis as much as the next guy, but... That movie's great. Oh, it is a great movie. And it deserves to be I watched. Love that. I love that movie. I just need to, I don't know, trick myself into thinking that I'm not old anymore. Yeah. Uh, so this is a first. Usually we don't publish episodes on, like, legit holidays. But we're going to. And we decided to go all What's out. Mixed and it up. So I, w- I want to put this straight for the people watching the podcast. Uh, people listening to this don't even care. But yeah, this room is mine. So even though I own literally no clothes that are Christmas related, the fact that the lights are uh, red and green is my Christmas outfit. Sort of, I guess. Low effort. <laughs> Look, we we went to Target. We tried. Yeah, at the last we minute. Tried. At the last minute. We tried real hard. At the la- Okay, yeah, it was the last minute. Wow. But that's because I didn't even think of having a Christmas sweater. You fool. So I am a fool. And because this episode's going live on Christmas, I can say I got Anna a pretty dope Christmas sweater. Oh, oh nice. Spoilers. Yeah. No, she got spoiled already, actually. Oh, no. So I didn't realize how much she wanted it. I had always thought that she had just like casually wanted Wait, it. the Cthulhu thing? Yes. It's like this Cthulhu Christmas sweater. And nice. so I ordered it. And she happened to go get the packages from the office before I did and of oh, course, the website that it's it? from just plasters their logo all over ah, the shipping container bag. Worst. Instead of making it nondescript, which is real dumb. Like, all right, let me, let me put this little tip out there for you guys. If you're going to run an online retailer and you're going to sell things near Christmas, send it in a nondescript package. Come on. Yeah, and if that's really obnoxious to your packaging, couldn't you just assume most things could be a gift and put all your branding on the inside of the box? Yes. I mean, everything else was from Amazon, so... Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's from Amazon. What could it be? Yeah, anything. it could be anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But being from that website, it's it's clear what it is. You know, and I was just like, well, maybe I got you something different, but she knows. Yeah. She knows. I <laughs> maybe I on purpose <laughs> didn't get you the thing I know you'd like to trick you. Yeah, I got you something else, and then I had them package it in that company's it's all, mailer bag. It's a ruse to get your hopes up and then crush <laughs> you. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of bought her another Christmas present early anyway, because I bought that fish tank for her. Yeah. And that fish tank looks way better than the last one. It does. It does. It's, look it's in a cool. nice spot, right? It's pretty nice now. Yeah, it looks pretty sweet. Anywho, uh, I thought we would do a pretty casual episode. Yeah. This this week and just kind of do a year in review. 
because this has been quite the eventful year, actually. And I know a lot of people have been like, 2017, hold my beer yeah. to be worse than 2016, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, so, I think a lot, a lot of opportunities for like uh, growth, at least on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's probably yeah. nice to think about the good parts and not just dwell on all the terrible parts. Yeah. I'm just going to use this episode as an excuse to talk about all things we want to talk about. Nice. Uh, and the thing on the mind right now is that, so I just put out a video this morning. Okay. Which, if people haven't seen it, it's called How to, How to Set Goals That You'll Actually Stick To. And you should go watch it. So basically for all of my YouTube career, I have had the most trouble with music. I figured out how to do animations. I figured out how to do cutting footage well, all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to finding background music for a video, I'm horrible at it. Like I can watch a video and if somebody uses it well, I can tell and I can kind of tell like why it's done well. But then when I go find music, I'm just like, "Eh, this doesn't sound good. Uh. I don't understand how to get it in there. And I know if you commit yourself to learning a skill, you can get better at it. Maybe I will never be LeBron James, but if I actually focus on it, I can get better at it. So this time I was like, I'm going to do that. And I kind of had this realization that instead of just throwing a music track underneath all the footage and letting it loop, it's better to listen to the track and try to find like swells or dips where it gets quieter and then try to find maybe a point in the video where emotional punctuation would work well and then try to match Mm. that up. And then from there, you can sort of chop things up a bit to make it all smooth and not have any breaks. And I had to like, I'd like find maybe a two, two measure segment of the song that was like a low beat and just chop that out. So I could insert it at points where the song was like totally dead and it felt awkward. And I'm super happy with the result. Nice. Good way to cap off the year and yeah. get some new stuff. New video skill unlocked. Now, I don't know if I'm going to always be able to do this with music because it took a while in editing mm. and because we have editors who edit some of our videos and I don't know if, I don't know. I mean, I could, I could see if they could do music just as well as I can. It's possible. I guess we could break everything down to a series of processes and steps. But yeah, we'll see. I'm pretty happy with it though. But anyway, uh, a lot of things happened this year, but... The biggest thing just happened for you, which is that you saw the ocean. I did see the ocean. Yeah. It was, it was big. It was blue. You look, there was nothing else behind it. That's the thing. Yeah. It was, it was just nothing. It's pretty cool, isn't Never it? Never seen that before. So I want to hear that about- pretty cool. I want to hear about the trip. Uh, well, one. And you may have to explain the trip a yeah, little okay, so more in general. Because... First of all, before, before I moved here to Denver and before I visited Denver the first time to see if I wanted to move here, I had only been to Iowa- where I was born and lived all the time, Nebraska and Minnesota. Very not traveled person, despite my linguistic interest in all of the things that I do. Um, so then we moved here. And then we wanted to go visit some friends up in Seattle. Uh, shout out to Team Dog, Ruru. And uh, <laughs> anyway. I hope Ryan listens yeah, to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've never been on a plane either. And had a little bit of anxiety about that. And I was like, the problem is this is coming up so close that I really don't want to figure out how to cope with that in like the next week or two. With the plane? Yeah. Yeah. And like get over that. But I was like, what if we made it a road trip? Because at least for the first time going over there, that could be really cool. 
And I had recently I, – I had rented a car to go to somewhere – go to Lincoln for something and I was like, actually, this is pretty nice because driving in cars that aren't a 1,000 years old is really better for my back. Turns out. So that was cool. So we did that and um, a lot of things kind of fell into place. Like there was a Harry Potter pop-up shop that showed up in Salt Lake during that time. So we coincidentally got to go to something and what happened was we drove from here from, straight from Denver over to Salt Lake City, stayed the night there. Then the next day, we drove to Portland, stayed the night there, spent the entirety of the next day in Portland, and then went to Seattle for a few days, and then went to Twin Falls, Idaho, where there's this cool gorge and there's some waterfalls and stuff, and then came back. It was 3,200 miles overall put on that rental. Oh, my gosh. And uh, like something like 40 hours of driving. What was the longest driving day? I would say probably the Salt Lake to Portland day although it may be the last one simply because the weather got kind of bad and it was dark so i had to slow down oh okay so going through i think we what was it wyoming i think we went through wyoming on the last day coming back and there was like black ice and blowing snow so i had to slow well, down a fun. lot in the dark yeah. yeah i couldn't even see if the road was okay that one yeah. may have been longer but the longest on paper not counting that was from salt lake to portland but how it, long was that it was like uh Somewhere between 11 and 12 hours, maybe. Some, somewhere. Oh, so kind of similar to going back to Iowa. Yeah, it wasn't the worst All thing right, in so the world. So that's not that bad. I guess if you break it up, then a road trip like that isn't the worst thing ever. No, you just have to have the days. But mm. the driving was beautiful. It was totally worth it because just taking I-70 out through to get to Utah, all the mountains and stuff, everything is, is beautiful. Each state, it's been hard for me to understand this, living in the Midwest the yeah. whole time. But a lot of these states... I realize that they're the United States and that states are kind of like country sort of things mm-hmm. and that that's how it would work if this were Europe. But every state legitimately felt like a different country when I drove through it. They all looked yeah. so different from each other. And Oregon was probably my favorite with, with all the cool hills Oregon's and stuff. Oregon's just beautiful. But Actually, so I've never been to Seattle. So Portland has like this verticality to it. And I don't know if you got this feeling at all, but – if you're driving in certain parts of the city, you can kind of look over and you can see yeah. the whole city because you're up on a hill or something. Does Seattle have any of that? It has a lot. Does it? Of okay. Verticality. Because Denver it. has none. Uh, like I, you have to go into the mountains, which are a little bit out of Denver. Yeah. Now Seattle's got a lot of that. I mean, where uh, where we stayed was up pretty high, and there okay. were several roads where I was like, "Well, why is this town a roller coaster? I'm confused. <laughs> it doesn't even." <laughs> I'm just trying to get through downtown, and I just basically it's just a 90 degree drop, and I don't know why. Well, if you don't like that, don't go to San Francisco, but still go to San Francisco. Oh yeah, it's yeah. worth it. It was totally cool, and, and I really liked it. And I just never, never having seen the ocean when we were in Portland that second day, we drove down to Cannon Beach, and it's got this huge, I think Haystack Rock, it's called, and it's like really scenic. And it was the drive there is great. Everything was great. It was the driving was weirdly worth it. I thought maybe it would be kind of tedious but since Mm. everything looked so new and interesting i didn't really care yeah well i mean if you drive from des moines to denver it's it's nebraska uh, and eastern colorado where you get basically nothing you get some cows and some some fields but yeah the drive you took i mean through the mountains everything seeing the rockies and then moving into the west like once you get to portland it's just yeah it's beautiful and i was like so stoked for you to go because I have been to Portland a couple of times 
And even though we've gone hiking here in Colorado and it's like, it's majestic and beautiful, it's very different than yeah. the kind of hiking you can do in Portland. And I just, I really wanted you to see that Pacific Northwest uh, it was, style It's really nice up there. And honestly, even Idaho was beautiful to drive through because they had all these really tall thistles and stuff on the side of the road, but everything was covered in frost. So it oh, was okay. like I was driving through the beginning of one of the planet Earth things where you see the little fox in the snow yeah. capturing something. It was like that. It felt like it, I just drove through winter world. There's mm-hmm. no snow on the road. It's just everything. All the plants are perfectly frosted over. And it, yeah. So every bit of the drive was worth it. I don't know that I'd drive there again now that I've seen it unless mm-hmm. the seasons were drastically different and then maybe it'd be worth it. But You made me kind of want to do it. What I'd really like to do is if, if Anna had time, I would want to go through the Rockies like you did, but work my way down to San Diego first. Oh, yeah. Do some surfing because uh, we learned how to surf there last summer after FinCon. And then I would drive up to probably San Francisco and we Portland thought about and Seattle. That. We thought about doing a California route, but it ended up where we could shorten it a little bit because we knew we'd want to spend time. Yeah. And you wanted to spend time with places. Ryan and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. I would, I would want a couple of weeks to do that because yeah. I wouldn't want to have to like get into a town and be like, all right, let's go do one thing and then leave. Oh no. And we were, we were talking about this, uh, on the way to Portland and I, and I was talking about how I think like a lot of times when you're visiting a place, it's like watching the movie version of a place. You're getting yeah. the bullet points. You're getting the, wow, look at this crazy dramatic thing. But when you live somewhere and when you stay there for a while and you don't have expectations, even if you're just on a vacation and you've got days with nothing planned and you just go explore, it's more like reading the book. Yeah. Like you get all the small details. Where do you where do you like to read a book in this city? And where is the best place to get to, I don't know, brunch? But you don't get these things when you're vacationing usually. And mm-hmm. that's why they're a flyover states because those yeah. states don't have bullet points people don't vacation in Des Moines they, they don't have a movie adaptation essentially yep whereas living there it can be just as fulfilling as everywhere else so I wanted to spend mm-hmm. enough time in each of these places to kind of get to relax a little bit mm-hmm. and not just vacation is so stressful when you're just running through a checklist of it like is. these are the must-see things and you're like what if I just kind of want to hang out and stare at the ocean for a few hours well, I got to say, so I went to Japan in 2015 with Anna and going with Anna was amazing because she's my girlfriend and I love her and it was great spending time with her. But my most nostalgic trip out of my three to Japan was the first one. Hmm. And that is simply because we knew nothing about the country and we didn't really have any plans. Yeah. Like we didn't have, oh, we're going to go see, um, you know, all these cities. We're going to go see all these monuments and stuff. We didn't have any of that. You know, maybe maybe we'll go see Tokyo Tower or something like that. But we we showed up and then we had to figure out how to find a hostel while we were there. Yeah. And there were several days where we'd wake up and just chill till noon, go find food randomly. You know, it's every like trip you're was living good, there but, a little bit. Yeah, it was like we we're living there. And then the, actually, the third time with Anna was pretty cool because we did Airbnb, which I had never done before. Oh yeah. Every time before that, we did hostels, and hostels are cool, but it feels like a hotel almost, like a it's like a really chill, casual hotel mm. where the downstairs, instead of being a lobby, is more like a dorm den because there's just a bunch of huh. teenage and early 20s travelers hanging out and watching TV. Uh, and then the, the Airbnb, though, is like having your own apartment in Tokyo. And the one we picked for cheapness reasons was way outside of the city center. So there was nothing touristy there at all. Oh, nice. It was like a 20-minute subway ride to get over to like uh, – um, 
Shibuya and stuff like that, the big places. Yeah, that so sounds that was really like cool. how I would want to do it. And that's I, how I would do it again. Uh, and I want to go to Japan again, but I'm starting to want to go to France now. I think it's because I'm, I'm learning how to cook. Oh, yeah. And like most of the good cook stuff, like cooking stuff I'm learning about has got a lot of French origins. So now I just kind of want to go to like a small French town. Yeah, see, see, food. <laughs> see, like that. That's it, though. Like, whenever I want to travel, I think to myself: one, I want to go stay in like a real place where I can cook and make dinner and buy groceries mm-hmm. and do my job, and as if I were living there a little bit, not as if I just had to rush through a checklist and fly home. Yeah, and then I don't particularly care as much about the huge touristy things because I want to see what it's like to actually be there. Yeah, and like if I go to Paris and get led around to buy a bunch of little mini Eiffel Tower statues. That's not actually what it's like mm-hmm. to like live in France. You're not just buying Eiffel Tower things every day. Yeah, I don't want to buy tchotchkes. Yeah, is that just, a word? I think that's a word. I don't know. I don't know words. I don't know. Uh, kitschy stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, yeah. I I want to get more of that book, even if it's a short story equivalent. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so it feels so shallow to have to rush through a place because people really live does. their whole lives in cities, no matter how yeah. big or small they are. And obviously, there's something to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I think like my my favorite cup of coffee is in St. Louis, and my second one is in Des Moines, and I've tried dozens of coffee shops here in, De- in Denver, and there are many good ones, but none have come to surpass those two. Yeah. So it's like that. Some of the best experiences you can have are outside of the touristy things. What was uh, what was Salt Lake like? Salt Lake is uh, pretty cool. We didn't get much daytime there. It was dark oh, by the time we got there. Yeah. Uh, we were staying pretty close to the mall in which the Harry Potter pop-up shop was. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty nice. But I really liked how close we were to the mountains. Yeah. Much closer than here in Denver. They're just – it's kind of like Boulder. Mm-hmm. They're just – there's right there and it's huge and it feels so i don't know something about that the buildings something about how everything was laid out at least the parts that i saw it felt more like homey to me less trying too hard to be hipster in the areas i was staying and Mm. and more just like this is just a cool town that happens to be on the mountains it's not like did it feel more like des moines yeah it felt closer to like it didn't feel like a boulder to me okay because Boulder's kind of got that. Boulder's a weird town. It's kind of got that feel, but this yeah. was just like this is just kind of a regular cool town, and the mountains right there. And so the mountains are like really close. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing, and I really want to go to Salt Lake to experience that. Ooh. I've only been to the airport, so I haven't really gotten to yeah. feel it. Well, that's the best part. The best part. The airport. Just the airport. I've been yeah. So Salt Lake and Seattle are the two <laughs> cities that I've just been to the airport, and I really want to go and explore. And I was at the airport in Seattle. I texted Ryan. I was like, hey, Ryan, I'm at the airport. And he's like, I'm going to come see you. And I'm like, you don't. My, <laughs> my, my layover is an hour. Yeah. I would have to go out of security and then go back in. And you can't come in. <laughs> we can just like stare at each other from yeah. each side of the TSA. <laughs> just kind of put your hand on the glass. Hi, Ryan. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't work. But I kind of want to do that. All right. Um at risk of this episode turning into nothing but a travel review. <laughs> yeah, so road trip was super cool because I saw the ocean for the first time, traveled to more states than I'd ever even seen before. Mm-hmm. And overall, a lot what of firsts. What did you do to your mindset? Because this was like your first I want to travel much more now. Traveling. Like I just, I was immediately motivated to travel mm-hmm. and to do stuff. And it was kind of, kind of cool. 
Did it do anything for your mindset regarding work? Um, well, I mean, I got inspired. I tend to get inspired when I travel. Yeah. It kind of, usually when I travel somewhere, what'll happen is there's so much drive time or so much just new environment that for work and my personal life and my goals and my happiness and everything, I'll like suddenly look at life from a completely different angle and Mm -hmm. get remotivated about everything. Yeah. So I'll take tons of like voice notes on the drive back and keep everything and then look back at it and I'm like, I can rearrange everything now. Yep. It, it's it's a good way to separate the I, – I said before in an episode that when you graduate, you kind of got to make your own semesters in life because yeah. in college, your life changes. And in high school, any school, your life changes when the classes change. But There's nothing, like pre-built chapters. Yeah, but basically. nothing forces that for us. Mm-hmm. You have to create your own. And I, I find that traveling is a very, very good way to separate it and be like, it's time for new life. Yeah. Actually, I want to do a video on this. So on I was on Reddit the other day and – I think the thread was what is something that everyone says happens that you didn't believe until it did happen to you? And one of the top answers was the idea that uh, life seems to go by faster when you get older. And in the discussion for that thread, somebody was saying that it's been disproven of the whole theory that um, your life seems faster simply because your 30th year is one 30th of your life versus your fifth year being one fifth of your life. Okay. And I want to dig in to see if there's some research behind that, but apparently they were saying that notion has been disproven. And the reason that your life seems to whiz by so fast is because we set up these routines and we do the exact same thing and it gets super easy too. It's like work. And I mean, even with our job where we do pretty different things on a daily basis, it's still easy. It's like your brain compartmentalizes that as, I made another video this week. I made another podcast this week. I answered a bunch of emails this week. And then at night I made dinner and we watched Parks and Rec and we went to bed. And I think that's what we've done for like the last four months. Well, that's why like your brain's efficient. mm -hmm. It compresses memories. It says those are pretty much the same. Let's just shove them in here. So the more novelty you have, which you have a ton of when you're growing up, everything is constantly changing. Yeah. The more you actually remember the different parts. I want to say that travel is the only way to do this. No. Um, one of the things cool. that people continually make fun of me for is being the kind of person who goes through phases and gets obsessed with things, which is very true. It oh, does it's, happen. It's true. But it means that I can actually look back on 2017 and see all these different kind of chapters that are themed around a different interest I had. Like the, yeah. the beginning of the year was themed around figure skating because I took that class. Actually, that was 2016. Never mind. My brain's compressing stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I was actually still doing some figure skating at the beginning of 2017. Uh, and then I got really interested in, like, actually figuring out how to dress better and growing my hair out and stuff because I met Aaron and Antonio and went to StyleCon. Uh, the move happened, so that was a big thing. And then I got really into cycling and I got really into cryptocurrency for a while. And right now I'm really into cooking. So I can kind of look back and be like, oh, yeah, there's all these different blocks of time that defined 2017. Yeah. Which is pretty nice. So you can actually remember a lot of the year mm-hmm. rather than like if I have too many days in a row, I'll, I I don't even remember the things I'm happy that I did half the time because yeah. I just delete them a couple weeks later and I'm like, oh, I don't remember doing anything interesting in the last couple weeks. And then I, I went through trying to figure out how am I going to do my 2017 in review. I don't remember half of the year and I went through it with my with my girlfriend and I was like – oh, I've just been so repetitive for the last little bit that I completely ignored the previous bit somehow. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I learned... You get used to it. 
Uh, one of the things I learned this year is as you get older, as long as you keep an open mind, you may come to appreciate things that you thought you disliked in the past, which is why when uh, Kyle gave me like for White Elephant, he gave me a bunch of poetry, like his favorite poetry he just written down in this WWE sticker book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, my current opinion is like I, I actually don't enjoy reading poetry, but I was like maybe I'll come to like that someday because I'm learning that I actually really like to cook right now. And for almost all my life, I have had this idea that I hate cooking. Oh, you've always said that. I've always said I hate cooking. I've always been like, man, I wish I could just work and I could just have enough money to order food every single time because food is just fuel and I want to get back to work. And now my perspective is completely flipped because I've kind of realized that at a certain point, your work, I mean, your work can be very fulfilling, but at a certain point you make enough money that like you don't need to spend every moment working because what are you working for in the first place? Well, hopefully you're working for uh, freedom and free time to do something that is enjoyable in the moment with people you love. And when I'm cooking dinner with Anna, that's actually a very good, a good example of that. Yeah. So by reframing my mind to, I'm going to learn how to do this properly. And when I do it, I'm going to give it my full attention and not be worried about how long it's going to take then uh, it's just it's much more enjoyable. Yeah, well, so, life, life isn't about being efficient. And it's really easy to get like, I've got to be productive every second of every day because mm-hmm. I've got to get this much stuff done every week or else I won't be able to have fun 20 years from now when I yeah. finally slow down. Exactly, yeah. And that's that's not it's, great. It's like you, you want to be efficient in the work that you are doing and maybe you do want to do more work, but you don't necessarily need to squeeze efficiency out of every single moment of the day. No, no. It's not like you can you can have good, effective, efficient work, but you don't want the purpose of your life is not to be efficient. Yeah, that that is. Not, I mean, I could get real efficient right now, <laughs> but that's not going to be a good decision. End of the podcast right now. <laughs> hey, that was efficient. It was only twenty five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> but there's more stuff I want to talk about. You know, uh, conversation is enjoyable. I wanted to ask, what were some of the uh, best things that happened this year? Or most well, memorable. Let me just uh, look at my handy-dandy list of things that I had to remember that I did yesterday. Because <laughs> uh, your brain's compressed the entire year? Well, I felt like before we moved was a different year. So I got confused yeah. and completely forgot that I even lived in Iowa in 2017. I would say that January does not feel like the start of the year. Yeah. I have to consciously remember that that happened. And I would imagine for you it's even harder because I travel a lot. Yeah. So I can think back and be like, oh, okay, I, I'm pretty sure that I went to New York and Atlanta and one other place that I can't remember at the moment before even moving to Denver. Mm. Yeah, that actually, that's bringing back memories now. 2017 started with a ridiculous travel uh, schedule. I think I had three trips planned and I'm trying to remember what they were all for. I think I went to New York to film for a TV show that I have not talked about ever. That was this year? That was this year, I'm pretty sure. Uh and then I went to Atlanta for StyleCon, which yeah. is the conference put on by Antonio from Real Men Real Style and Aaron from Elf uh, M. That was really useful, actually. Those two guys and all the friends I met at that conference were the people who finally started getting me out of the whole like Mark Zuckerberg-esque mentality of, I can just wear a hoodie and be a startup guy. It doesn't matter how I dress. So... If, if I maybe looked a little bit better in the videos or maybe my haircut didn't look so stupid, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I honestly, like before that, I was just like, I'm just going to buzz my hair myself. It's free. It takes very little time. It's efficient. Whatever, you know, and there just totally is. ignoring you the fact you that. You don't always want to be efficient. <laughs> I don't want to be efficient. Yeah. And I just totally ignore the fact that like my hairline is super uneven. So just buzzing it all off <laughs> is like really bad for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think the reason I did it is when I was a teenager, I went to a haircutting place and the girl there did such a bad job. She literally cut the sides longer than the top. So I look like a fryer. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got this idea in my head that, okay, no haircutting person can ever do a good job. So you just have to do it yourself and buzz it. I'll just do that the major pain. A little short-sighted. Take a field knife to the head. Just Well, a lot of the haircut someday. places you go to first are franchise places. And that doesn't mean they they're totally eff- effectively bad. It just means that each haircut place is going to be kind of a different in quality. Yeah. Even it's, if it's the same brand, you can't, you don't have the same exact level of skill in each of the stylists. Yeah. What I've learned is with a haircut, you kind of get what you pay for. Yeah. So I, I still go to a franchise now, but I pay a little more and I found one person who does a great job and I just I go to her every time. Yeah. You say, I, I'm not taking chances. Nope. I don't want to. So, I mean, if I have to, I will. But I think if I were going to not go to her anymore, I would go to like a legit barber at this point because I've learned that, I don't know, putting some pride into my haircut and the clothes that I wear and stuff actually makes me feel more confident and feel better. Yeah. That was like the first big lesson I learned this year, actually. But anyway, I asked you and you looked at your notes. So. Oh, yeah. So. What uh, stands out to you? Quick here. Quick here. Shotgun of my favorite parts so far. Uh, I was finishing up my volunteer experience. At a uh, that's right. A, back in Iowa, I was volunteering at a church to teach English to Venezuelan refugees. They weren't all Venezuelan. My students were though. Okay. So that was really cool and just got me really excited about language. And most of my hard phonetics knowledge comes because I was learning so much. Because I was like, I want to learn how to help them. Uh, were you studying these in sounds your off hours and, to do that? Yeah. Okay. I was just so excited about like, okay, why? Why can she not do the English D that well? It looks like she's doing the Spanish D. Now, how do I explain to her what the difference between those two sounds are? And the difference, the Spanish D? Well, the, the tongue goes more to the teeth, not to the alveolar ridge. It's, it's all like um, – I'm like, trying to think of a Spanish It would be like um, ocupado or ocupado. Ah, OK. Yeah. See the do and the do. do so the, the very, tongue is kind of like a, the, the tongue the is like English – yeah, the tongue goes up at the up at the ridge Ocupado. there. So it's like a very subtle difference, but it affects your accent so much. Mm-hmm. And with ending Ds, it sounds really weird to use the Spanish D because you wouldn't – like in English words, it doesn't make sense. And that's yeah. generally how accents are because you're using your language's letters, mm-hmm. sounds instead of the, the new one. And I just got so excited about that. I spent hours and hours researching like – all the phonetics of the English language and all this stuff. So that was crazy and made me, I want to pursue that again later. But uh, then we moved to Denver and that was obviously pretty cool. The Seattle trip was huge. The Nintendo Switch came out. That was pretty cool. Gosh, it did. And you just reminded me that a very fond chapter of my life was spent playing Breath of the Wild. Good chapter. It's a video game, so it didn't immediately stand out when I was looking through the other things that happened. But yeah, no game has done that. For me in years. No, that was the first time I saw you get into a game like that. Yeah. Uh, like, honestly, if you, anybody listening to this, listening to this, if you haven't played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, that game, like, I didn't think any game would ever come close to actually edging out um, DDR as like a favorite. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it has because they're so different. They're very and, like, different. The experience of dancing is, is 
very different and but very that's what enjoyable. makes it impressive that you liked it but, so much oh my because gosh. it's nothing like what you previously were into the most yeah no game is has done that since like rogue galaxy back when i was 13 probably yeah and honestly rogue galaxies it's a good game but it isn't like a masterpiece i was just 13 and didn't have anything <laughs> going on in my life at the time yeah <laughs> so yeah the switch came out uh i started studying japanese again this year um, that's right yeah by dropping a lot of my expectations of myself with language, I counterintuitively remembered that I actually like it when I'm not trying to force every move in mm. my life and ruin everything I like by turning it into a chore. So that was exciting. Um, I, st- I got a piano and relearned how That's to play right. yep. piano more than – my hands have come a long way since being unable to close a fist reliably. Like I can play better technically than I could before. And so you started working with me basically full-time that was – was it March of 2016? It was, yeah. Or I February? Think it was about somewhere in there. Okay, so we're, you're coming up on two years now. Yeah. So it's like I've two years of hopefully so healing. But this took a while. That like I can do, most of the time I can do almost anything. And that, okay. that's crazy that I got piano back. I um, wonder if you're back to the point where I am now. Because I will occasionally get a pain in my hand. And I think it's just from years of not properly typing ergonomically. Mine, mine I still can't, I can't do this. Now. I can't talk on the phone with my hand to my ear for more than like five minutes without pain. Oh yeah. I, I don't do that. Which it I just don't feel do. bad. And once they get them back in stock, I'm buying a pair of those AirPods. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was really flabbergasted because I went to the Apple store and I was like, I want the AirPods. And they're like, Oh, we're out of stock. And I'm like, why are you out of stock of an accessory? And then I, I like hit me a few hours later. Oh, it's like the cheapest thing Apple sells and it's near Christmas. Of course they're going to be out of those because oh. everyone's buying each other AirPods for Christmas. That does likely. make sense. But yeah. Okay. So I saw Regina Spector twice. First That's artist true. I've ever seen on purpose in a concert. I'm not usually a concert kind of person. You drove eight hours to see her. Yeah, time. I saw her first in Denver, and that's why I moved here at the exact date I did so that I would be able to see her here because mm-hmm. she's my favorite artist, hands down. And then I saw her again in Lincoln recently. Um, I got a new bike that's really cool because somebody stole my old one. Thanks, Big City Life. <laughs> and uh, Well, you learned another lesson from that too. Never trust people. Not that lesson. No, uh, it's it's the lesson of sometimes people when they hear a reasoned, sensible argument, they need to oh, go well, off and yeah. chew on the argument themselves well, for it to sink in. I can get really, really, really stuck focusing on everything that could potentially go wrong with any given idea. Yeah. And then usually in order to solve a problem, I need to step back from it and say, what assumptions am I making that are mistaken assumptions? Yeah. It's almost always because I've decided I have to come at the problem from this angle. It has to come from this angle and no other angle will work because this is the thing I assumed is necessary. And then when I come back, I'm like, wait. Why did I make that assumption? That There was no reason for that. It turns out if I yep. look at it from this angle, everything makes sense. So I'm actually really fascinated with the whole like default positions thing with the human brain where we, we make a decision a long time ago and then everything is kind of like a tree branch from that trunk. But you could be a year down the line and, and then finally realize, oh, that initial decision was actually We're misguided. very consistent as we talked about. That's true. We the, did talk about that. In that uh, influence episode, consistency. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I really did not want a bike after that because I was like, somebody's going to steal my bike. If they stole it once, they could steal it again. They're going to steal my bike. And then I got the bike. I got a new one eventually because I realized it was a far better option than all the other things I was looking at. Well, you were like, oh, I can just walk everywhere. 
And I'm like, no. Well, no. Not, not to everywhere <laughs> I wanted to go. Sometimes it takes longer than you want but to walk. I fixed it now because I have... I have a little like wall stand thing. Yeah. So I put my bike in my apartment now mm-hmm. and it's a little more inconvenient, but if it were out anywhere else, I would just think, well, what logically is stopping the same exact person from stealing it again? But this time it's a better bike that is more enticing to steal. That's true. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep it in my apartment and feel good. But that, that was nice. Being I able to ride uh, a bike around Denver is really fun. It's, it's awesome. This is such a good biking city. I've learned that uh, I'm not a minimalist, which is fine. I think people can probably tell that by looking at our podcast set. But that unfortunately means that I cannot keep the bike no, you don't in the have, apartment. you don't have any room. So I just opted just to throw buy it like the, floor. the strongest lock yeah. that I can get. Uh, and then I learned that thieves will just go pick your bike clean of anything valuable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, it, immediately you got something stolen. So That's I'm very fun. glad that my stuff's in my apartment now. Yeah. So now it's like, all right, I got to keep That's all life. my bike accessories in the car trunk and then outfit my bike anytime I want to ride it. <sighs> and and also that's not a reason to not own a bike necessarily because because what you do is if you're in an area where you think your stuff's going to get stolen all the time or maybe not all the time if it gets stolen infrequently then the bike getting stolen is part of the cost of owning a bike yeah it's so if you just assume it will get stolen and every once in a while you'll need to buy a new bike it could still end up very much cheaper than buying a car instead well, and so the equation in my head is like this. Number one, I, I get very angry if people steal things. Not because my stuff is gone. I can afford to replace it. But because, like, it just – it angers me so much that someone would choose to do that. Yeah. Because that's, like, the opposite of helping the world. But on the other end, like you said, it is part of the cost of ownership. If I didn't have a bike, I would drive more and I would spend would $700 every few months in gas. And uh, the other thing is, like, if I didn't have a bike, I would – I wouldn't enjoy living here as much yeah. because part of what's fun is, is to riding through the city and going on a 50 mile bike ride. Sometimes that's really fun for me. Yeah. So it's, you know, if it happens, it happens. And if it becomes a big enough issue, I can buy like a storage shed. Yeah. You can always reduce the likelihood, but like I used to bike to work and I could have replaced my bike several times before I would have afforded a car with the same money. Yeah, exactly. So wait, when did you bike to work? Back in college, oh, in college, all the say, time. I refused to get a car. Too. I was like, I don't want one. If I get if I get a bike, it's gonna be cheaper a billion times over. Yeah. So, other than the thefts, uh, how has your experience of moving to Denver and living here been so far? Any uh, highlights? I think it's really cool here. Being able to go hiking is is really nice. Yeah. Particularly when there are lakes in the mountains. I'm a fan of bodies of water. And when they're up in the mountains, they're so serene and unbothered. Mm-hmm. But I read a research study once where they, they had a bunch of college kids look at different landscape photography scenes. And the one that was always rated the highest was the one that was like some hills or mountains but had water. Yeah. In fact, I think there's a there's a whole book and I can't remember the title – but it's a, a book. whole book about how humans are drawn to water. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that might explain why I liked the ocean so much because I couldn't, I couldn't get in because I didn't bring like – it was cold. First of all, I didn't want to get in the ocean. I was it, It's December. Did you touch the water at But least? I, I went out there and I was like – and then okay. I just kind of looked at my hand and I was like, <laughs> I touched the ocean. <laughs> at least you touched it. I would have been a little disappointed. But like if, if I jumped it. in the water, I would have just hated myself and froze to death. It was it's yeah. December. I'm not going to do it. But I did touch it and it was cool. See, it seems really dumb, but I come from Iowa and had never seen the ocean. And this yeah. is ever. 
Plus, all men are drawn to the sea, perilous as she may be. I think that's how it goes. Something like that. Something like that. Something yeah. Something like that. But it was it was really cool. But I like it here because compared to where we were out in Ankeny, out in Iowa suburbs, yeah, you know, it is so much faster for me to get places. I can actually walk a lot of places if I want. Mm-hmm. Not everywhere I might want, but I can walk many places. I can bike many places. It was like a 15-minute drive to go to the store before. Yep. And now I might drive a little longer than that, but to get downtown in a big city instead. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned is I really value being close to, say, a grocery store because now if I want to make food, I can just walk to Whole Foods. It takes maybe 10 minutes from up here in the apartment to the Whole Foods. Yeah, it's like... Buy my ingredients, come back. You're reducing your commute for errands. Yeah, exactly. So... I will not inflate my lifestyle uh, in the form of like buying a house, getting a bigger space to live, and I, w- I won't sacrifice the proximity to a grocery store for that. I will stay here and I will work until I can get a house. Yeah, I love being so close. I don't care it if it takes just, me 10 years. It. The thing is the happiness and joy you derive from life is largely a matter of how much you enjoy your average boring day where nothing happens because yeah. that's like 99% of your days. Mm-hmm. You can't always be on a road trip to Seattle. Yep. Most of the time you're just working and eating and sleeping. What makes that better? Well, if I can walk to a grocery store, I find a lot of pleasure in that. And it's that little thing that I'll keep repeating that will eventually add up to far more joy than that one road trip ever could have given me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This week's episode is sponsored by Storyblocks, as the last few have been, I think. And uh, if you are a creator of YouTube videos, any kind of videos, really audio, like podcasts or music or even a blogger who needs to use stock images to kind of spice up your blog posts, then Storyblocks is an excellent resource because they have a marketplace where you can download basically an unlimited amount of royalty-free audio files, video files, illustrations, stock photos, all kinds of stuff that you can use to improve the quality of your work. And unlike most other sites out there that let you download stock images, you don't have to pay per use, which can add up to a lot of money as I know myself. A lot of times, if I want like a piece of footage for a video and I want to get it from a different website, sometimes I pay like 50 bucks for like one one piece of video. Um, I think the, the one that always comes to mind for me was that that, flashcards video I did. I wanted a hippo. I needed a hippo and it was 50 bucks for that footage of the hippo. Whereas that several times could get you as much footage as you wanted. Exactly. And on Storyblocks, I would have been able to just download footage of a hippo. And I actually got it into my head to go on Storyblocks and search up the hippo footage to see if they had hippo footage. And yes, they did have there you go that would have been a money saver exactly yeah so their library had i think at least three or four clips of hippos that i could have just used instead of paying 50 dollars for that one (laughs) hippo clip you know and my channel is um a little easier to deal with because i'm on camera for the most part and by practicing facial expressions um i can get away with not having pictures and video on screen all the time. But a lot of my YouTuber friends have built, frankly, more successful channels than even mine. And uh, they just do voiceovers and then the entire video is animated or uses stock photos or stock footage. And if you're like that, if you're creating videos like that, then a resource like Storyblocks is amazing. They have 
let's see here, 150,000 videos at the moment, 400,000 images, and over 100,000 audio clips, including music, but also transition sounds, things that you can use for intros and outros to a podcast, for example. And they're always adding more content all the time. So whenever you have the idea for a new project, you can log into Storyblocks, see what's new, and add that into your project to make it even better. So uh, right now, Storyblocks is running a promotion where you can get access to all three of their libraries for a year. That's the video subscription, the audio subscription, and the graphics and illustrations library, all for 149 bucks. So that's, I can't do math right now, but I don't know, maybe a little over $10 a month. And if you are a serious creator doing anything with media, that can pay off pretty quickly. So yeah. if you want to get in on that deal, storyblocks.com slash college info geek is the URL you can go to again, storyblocks.com slash college info geek. And we'll have that in the description down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, big thanks to storyblocks for sponsoring this episode. And speaking of this episode, let's get back into it. What were some lessons that you learned this year or maybe things you struggled with? Things I struggled with and learned. Well, a couple of lessons that I learned were, um, I found out that video games are more of a time sink for me than I realized. Mm -hmm. And this has been important for me because I've identified as sort of a gamer for a long time. Yeah. I love video games. And I have like 12 video games I, ha I bought because I was like, I have to buy them. I'm going to play them. I haven't even opened them. But the thing you is... You have Xenoblade, don't you? I do. You just haven't even opened it yet. I also have the first one and I haven't even touched <laughs> don't it. Don't open it. I have a lot of them. <laughs> but basically what I realized was um, there have been some parts of this year where I wasn't in that great of a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, like psychologically, like uh, not getting a lot – as much as I want done, feeling behind all the time for no reason. And with video games, I found out that I need to treat them kind of the same way that I treat anything alcoholic, which mm -hmm. is if I'm not already in a good mood, if I'm not already happy with myself, it is a bad vice. It's a bad yeah. one because if I use video games to treat when I'm feeling badly – and I'm like, I got to escape. I'm going to play this. And that becomes a habit. Then it can't possibly help. Out of all of my hobbies and all of my projects, video games are the one that I enjoy, but that does not do anything for my self-esteem. It doesn't make Literally, you feel good about yourself at There all. is never a time. If I 100% Mario, I'm going to be like, oh, that's cool. And immediately after, I'm going to be like, what was it? Why did I do that? If yeah. it, It's only fun and it does not boost my self-esteem. So if I do not already have the self-esteem... I should not do that because if I spent the same time reading or working on something else, mm -hmm. it would make me feel better. Yeah. So video games as a coping mechanism create sort of a bad cycle. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned this year because I didn't didn't really notice until I'd put like 15,000 hours. And yeah. I have every single power moon in Mario except for the last one because I like everything. The, the last world? The very, the, yeah. Really hard level? It has like one that you oh, get okay. from doing the last challenge. But I've done, I almost 100%ed it. And I was like, how much time have I put into this saying that I have no time to read? <laughs> the answer is a lot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I could have read like eight books. It, it was a double-edged sword when Nintendo added the playtime counters. Because <laughs> yeah. then you can look through and see, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's how much of my life I've wasted but, on this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the big things. And um, I would say that another thing was that I got some interesting news this year that I did not expect because I had some pretty hard times in the summer. And what I learned is that apparently I have obsessive compulsive disorder and have likely had it for 10 years. That's kind of a 
weird thing to kind of reestablish the canon of your own life. And I'm like, oh, all of those things make a lot of sense now, don't they? Because I was always frustrated as like, wait, why do you consider that clean? How is that not clean? I'm the logical one here. What you're doing doesn't make any sense. And then now I'm just like, that's why no one agrees with me on those little tiny things. Mm. That's weird. And like, I don't want to go too much into like the symptoms or whatever, but I like lost a few months in the summer, just completely lost because I would get stuck on stuck on stuff I was thinking about. And then that would keep me from doing as much as I wanted. So then I'd get more stuck on the fact that I wasn't doing it. It just kind of lasted forever. Um, But I figured this out because John Green, the author of uh, Fault in Our Stars and and recently Turtles All the Way Down. Of Crash Course as well. Yeah, of Crash Course as well. um, He's very open about it. And he's talked about some of his symptoms and videos. And eventually... Ashley showed me one of these videos and she was like, wait a second. And then I listened to him talk and I was just like, no, that's dumb. No, that no, that doesn't make any sense. And then I would give my defense as to why that didn't make sense. And then like his very next line would be exactly what I just said. Oh my gosh. And then I'd be like, <laughs> get out of my head, John. <laughs> but, and then he would be like, I'd be like, I can't do, I'm going to play Zelda because I can't think about this right now. I need yeah. to, I need to get out of this thought. And then he'd be like, and I love fiction because it's one of the few ways I can get out of a thought. And I was like, I don't like you. <laughs> I just, like, he just <laughs> called my behavior as I was saying it from YouTube videos. Yeah. And it was crazy. And, and I'm, and I'm found somebody to help with it. And cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy is very helpful. So if you have anything that you like, it is great to go seek help and talk to people because I am so much better off right now. Yeah. Just from that. And from also understanding, because a lot of the treatment that, that I'm doing is just kind of understanding what I'm doing as it's happening so that mm-hmm. I can second guess it. Yeah. And I'm trying to not focus too much on like the symptoms because that's not me. I'm not, yeah. I'm not Martin with OCD. I'm Martin. I happen to have OCD. Yeah. So that's an important lesson as well because that was really weird for me at first. But even um, in in Fault in Our Stars, there's like a quote where one of the people's like, don't tell me you're one of the people that becomes their disease, Mm -hmm. you know, where suddenly your whole life is about this is me. This is who I am now. Yeah. And so that's an important thing that I've been so trying to. So you're saying with. it's important to to ensure that you don't identify with that mindset. Yeah. Because if you do, you give it more power. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Well, especially in this case, because I can kind of focus in on it and ironically obsess about it. But basically, with any illness or anything like that, if you spend all your time thinking this is what I am now, this is this is what I have. It's yeah. too late. Then you can't be anything else and mm-hmm. you you don't want to be the illness you want to be a person who happens to have one yeah exactly so it's like it's been a weird year because of that but it's so so much better than i i am now right now it I seems so like it's gotten better, better. and i think so it, it was weird for me because we learned that you had had it forever but this was like the first year Since before ever i even expressed knew it so from oh, it, my perspective, it, up bad it, it felt year. like it was getting worse, but now I can tell that it's much better than it was a few months well, ago. It turns out that most of the symptoms before were very isolated into certain areas. Yeah. And you always, you always had a justification for Also, them. it tends to be a private thing because there were a lot of things that I thought and didn't want to say because I was like, I don't want to say that. They're going to think that doesn't make – they're going to think I'm crazy if I tell them what I'm thinking about why that's not clean right now. Yeah. So then I wouldn't say it. Mm-hmm. It just like flared up because of – I don't know, big life change. Yeah. Just moved, abandoned, got far away from everyone. 
Yeah, exactly. From my perspective on this, I mean, I don't have to deal with that kind of a thing, but I think you getting the diagnosis made me, I think it showed me that mental health issues can be much more serious than I had previously fully understood. Because I, I could watch videos on the internet and I can see people talking on the internet all the time, but I hadn't had somebody who I knew really closely dealing oh, with something like it's that. It's weird, right? So, we don't talk about it enough. And that's why yeah. like, I don't want to talk about it too much. I probably don't want to do an episode or anything on this. Right. But here this is. Reduce the stigma a little bit because turns out I have OCD. What are you going to do? Doesn't mean I'm not successful. Yeah, exactly. You can be successful. But the other thing it taught me was as somebody who's very independent, I've always had this kind of innate um, belief that any sort of mental issue I have, I can just kind of work through it. <laughs> I felt punch it. through it. I've, I've been the exact always, same way. Like when, even as a kid, if I started feeling sick, uh, my brother would be the first person to be like, oh, I feel sick. And he would, he wouldn't like embrace the sickness and be like, I want to stay home from sick, you know, on a sick day and watch Zoids all day and eat ice cream. I was the kind of kid who was like, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I could still... <laughs> I'm going to be Which, fine. <laughs> you know, on, on one hand could potentially be very unhealthy because I could be in denial about having tuberculosis or something. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, <laughs> you need help if you have tuberculosis. That's no. true. I should probably go. To the I'm going to conquer it. Um, I, and, I, and to a degree, I still do believe that for certain things, the mindset that you approach your problem with actually does uh, affect it. I think if you have, if you have a positive mindset, towards certain things, you will get over it. I think a lot of people who maybe get like very old potentially die sooner because they give up mentally. I think the human body is adapted to fight. And if you have the mindset that I will fight something that is a condition, yeah. um, you potentially may get better. But I've also learned this year that there are definitely certain things that uh, that doesn't work with. And it is much better to accept that you have a problem and then find help. Yeah, I was I was definitely the same kind of person. It's been so hard to accept help of any kind because it's been so hard to even admit anything because mm -hmm. I like to hide all my weaknesses. Just they're all over yeah. here. You can't see them because I'm strong, successful, ambitious. But what I happened think that was the thing. It was affecting it was going to affect like my relationship and yeah. and I didn't care enough about myself at the time because the spirals and all the all the getting stuck and I ended up feeling pretty depressed for a while. So I didn't really care about myself. Mhm. Mm but I was like, but I don't want to ruin this relationship. So for the sake of Ashley, I am going to swallow my pride and go do something about it yeah. like a smart person. Yep. And it worked out. Yeah, exactly. Also, that light. That light That's goes another year, year in review. <laughs> Not a good light. That, well, that light was like 40 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe in 2018, we upgrade the so. light. I guess I guess the best lesson to take from this is one obviously mental disorders and mental health and illness is very important. Yes. But two, be willing to accept help when you need it of any kind. Mm -hmm. Of any kind, not just that, but anything. I've been the kind of stubborn do it myself kind of person for yeah. for an amount of time that's almost always just been harmful. Just just harmful. Like even when I was like injured, I didn't want to. I'm still going to go to work and everything. I still no. kept working and destroying my hands because I, remember I was there like, was, I have to do this. Yeah. We had that, like that moment where you the realized bills. there was the moment where you realized, oh, the desks at work are up too high. And I've just been stubbornly going to work and just dealing with it the whole yeah, time. And, like, you know, every moment I put into that is injuring me more. And I think it's because you think like I do. 
you have that very independent, I'm going to figure it out and get it done kind of mindset that is very similar to mine that really showed me the seriousness. Oh, yeah, because I never would have. Like, I never would have gone to see anybody if it wasn't yeah. very serious at the time. Mm-hmm. I would have just been like, oh, it's nothing. I'm probably just stressed. Yep. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But you lose a couple of months doing basically nothing. Yeah, exactly. I learned a few lessons this year. Um, overall, I think it was a very good year. Uh, but the couple of things that that I have had to work through, and it has been good. Uh, number one, I found that even though I'm the guy that talks about self-discipline and productivity and all this <laughs> stuff, I have the worst procrastination problems, like horrible procrastination problems. I never noticed. They're real bad. Um, <laughs> so like the video I just put out today, I'm super proud of it. But man, I ended up doing all of it in like two days before the deadline. It's not like, and Anna's just like, you just need to wake up, you know, like week, the week before and start working on the script. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And I'll set a Pomodoro timer and everything. And it just doesn't work. And I think I'm coming to learn that I can do all the self-discipline work that I want to, but it may be the case that I'm just a very deadline driven person. And it would be better for me to build in real deadlines. And it, it's tough because I run my own business. So yeah. I'm the boss. That is the I'm fault. A, your boss. <laughs> you, you can basically be like, well, technically it's not it's not really due tomorrow. I mean, yeah. I could just it's due the next day now. It's fine. Exactly. So I think what we're going to experiment with is like having you help me be on a real deadline somehow. <laughs> oh, it gives me a t- – I get a ton of anxiety if I can't meet a deadline. Like it feels yeah. like a life or death situation even though it's not. Mm-hmm. And that probably has some things to do with whatever. But – that might be helpful in some way. I can't stand for things to be late. A minute late to a meeting and I will feel like I'm going to be fired. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be because I'm late to meetings sometimes. Yeah. You, Turns out that, that uh, is true. I'm just like, hey, we need to get this meeting at this time. And then I'm like, crap, I need to watch through this entire video and make sure it's not broken. Yeah. But we got to create some fake, <laughs> fake deadlines but yes. that, that actually have real points and consequences. Like yep. you actually lose something if you don't meet this deadline otherwise it doesn't matter yeah i've been thinking about how to do it i'm not sure maybe maybe in 2018 we finally we'll finally do the patreon and like one of the tiers is like you get to be part of tom's management squad and i'm gonna submit like the, <laughs> you the gonna, rough cuts of videos to you guys <laughs> or something i don't know I'm, I'm just spitballing i don't know if we're gonna actually yeah, do well, that idea well Hello, we'll have light. to work on it it's worth coming back to basically after the complete mess that is december traveling is over. December is is death for productivity. And then we can come back and we try to try to fix that because it's very ironic to have like yes. procrastination issues as like a productivity it really kind is. of thing. And it's like, but, but I know all the steps. Well, so that's another thing that I've realized is like my 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 self-identifying role as the productivity guy because of my job, it makes it hard for me to acknowledge my own faults when they are so on the nose in that category, but yeah. I have to do it. I yeah. have to do it. And I have to eat my own dog food. Yeah. So that's something I'm working it's on. It's going to be delicious. The other thing I learned this year is um, just like just how tough it can be to keep a long-term relationship strong. Because Anna and I, I'm not going to go super into detail about this, but Anna and I went through like a bit of a rough patch this year. And uh, we, we eventually realized like it was mainly because we just hadn't been communicating as in depth as we should have been 
because it gets very easy to, as we said before, get into that rut where every day is the same. And if every day is the same in a certain way where, you know, in this case, every day was the same and that Anna would go to work, she would come home, work on art projects, not really interact with me much. And I didn't really help matters much because I would just work a lot or do my own thing. Eventually you don't have that intimate connection and it makes it a lot easier to dwell on or, or consider more strongly like the faults of the person that you're with and maybe not consider your own faults. But when you have the tough conversations and then when you actually do make sure you're, you're talking daily and you're doing things together, then those things yeah. don't seem to matter as much. And our relationship is stronger than it's ever been. We've been together for over five years at this point and it's, it's much stronger than it's ever been, but yeah, it's because there was great. a rough patch and instead of breaking up and giving up, we had to just sit down and have a really tough conversation and then start to make real changes, you know? Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to like note because a lot of times it's all about like, once I find that, that perfect relationship, I'll never have to try again. Everything's just going to magically work itself out. Mm-hmm. But like you and I have both been like with our girlfriends for quite some time now. Yep. And that is not because everything is automatically perfect all the time. Yeah. I mean, there, there, I'm sure there is an extent in certain relationships where, yes, you probably can't get over that difference. But even when you work to really well together, there are going to be things that you have to work on. Because if once we get into that adulthood rut, if there is one thing wrong with your average day, well, that one thing, just like my one good thing, is going to multiply over and over every mm-hmm. time I walk to the store. That one bad thing multiplies over and over and over and over. And every yep. everything feels like a blur. Yeah, I love that graph. It's like one percent good every day, and then it zooms up to there. It's like one percent bad every day. Same yeah, kind of these, thing. <laughs> these little things. It adds can up just over destroy time. you because you you don't pay attention to them. That's the yeah. scary part. If it was a big issue, you would talk about it immediately. Yeah, you would solve it in a, in a real crisis. Everything can come together more obviously, but when it's tiny, you're like, well, that probably doesn't. Yeah. Well, we've been busy this week. You're busy every week. You're an adult. Well, there have been some times where Anna will, or I'll bring up something that annoys me and I'll be like, well, this has been an issue for a while and I'm only bringing it up now because it's finally become kind of painful enough for me to care enough (laughs) to say anything. And then Anna will be like, well, I'm really offended that you didn't bring this up before and tell me I was doing it wrong. And I'm like, I think it's because humans naturally, like if it's, it's if it's a small thing, we justify it. Yeah. We're just like, well, maybe I'm being a little bit nitpicky right now, or she's probably just in a bad mood, you know? And I'm sure I do things as well. And then uh, finally it gets to a breaking point and she's like, Tom, <laughs> don't do this. Yeah. Actually, this happened the other day. She's like, I think, uh, oh, you had mentioned the way you and Ashley made the playlist for the, for the trip where it was like two album or two songs from every album. Oh yeah. We and I was like, yeah, let's, it we're going to do that. Um, and she got a little bit annoyed with me cause she's like, Tom, I know you're really confident and I find that attractive for the most part, but sometimes you just like automatically make decisions that affect both of us and you just make the decision. <laughs> you don't ask me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I actually, I do that. And I don't even think about it. Like it's, it's not like I'm like, I'm making the decision cause I'm the man. I just, I just do it because that's my mindset naturally. So, but again, it's one of those things where it happens sometimes and she's like, she'll let it go. Cause it's not a big deal, but finally she'll bring it up and I have to mentally stop myself from going down the path of why didn't you bring this up before? And just like realize it's probably because you're human and you naturally want to give me the benefit of the doubt in the most cases, 
but this time you brought it up and it's like, okay, maybe this is an issue. So when I feel the need to make a decision like that, I should stop myself and go, what does Anna want to do? And maybe not every time, because I also think that being unsure of yourself and asking what the other person thinks every single time can be unattractive. It's not a good trait. But sometimes you do. You need to ask. Yeah. And there's a balance to be struck there. Yeah. Well, it's important to get to those small things soon too. And and to not be afraid of letting them go on for too long because what happens is the reason it feels so bad is because now you've got to alter the canon. Like I had to alter my own last 10 years. You've got to be like, oh, so all these memories where I thought they were really good memories. Now I can see, oh, she was an annoyed. And then like, and it's like inside out, you know, the memory gets tinged with sadness now yep. and it's it's done. Yeah, exactly. You've now changed the memory. You and now, the memory. Well, now I can't look back at that trip because I realized I was super annoying the whole time. You could have stopped me because the, I want to make you happy. And it really annoys me if I'm annoying you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I wanted to run through a couple of other things that were, were standouts for me this year. Okay. Uh, before we close out here. One thing that was small was I finally ran around Central Park in New York City. Oh yeah, I've always wanted to like jog around that like, lake in did, Central Park. Did you circumnavigate it? Like the whole not thing? the I don't, entire. I, I don't know what it looks like. Central I've Park never is been there. huge. I don't know anything. So about it. I mean, you could run it, and I'm sure if me me saying Central Park is huge, I wouldn't want to run that. Casey Neistat would just make fun of me all day. <laughs> but um, there is like one big pond in Central Park, and there's a running track all around it, and I think it's potentially two miles okay. to run the whole track once. So it's pretty big. And it was just – it was a fun run to do. And you've wanted to do that? I've wanted to run Central Park for a long time. And every time I've gone to New York City before that, I just had gotten busy and never even went to Central Park. So this time I was like, oh, this was funny. So we had a Listen Money Matters meetup at a bar at a sensible time. I think it was 5.30 or p.m. or something like that. And a bunch of people showed up. We had a great time. Um, but I was like, well, because I do CIG, there's probably a bunch of underage people in New York who won't be able to come to this meetup. And I'm like, all right, we're going to have another meetup at 8 a.m. in Central Park. <laughs> and, uh, one person showed up. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and it was one person, it was the person who had talked to me the most from the previous night at the LMN meetup. So we just went to breakfast and then we went to the mystery museum and just toured it together. But before that, I was there. I wanted to be there early just in case somebody showed up early and nobody yeah. was there. So I thought, all right, well, I'm going to get a run in. And I just ran around the, the pond and it was great. So that was a good memory. Probably the most significant thing that happened this year was the Crash Course Project. Oh, yeah, that was pretty big. Yeah. So, I mean, I, maybe people don't know this, but the whole reason why I'm a YouTuber is in part because I got inspired by Crash Course watching John Green's Crash Course World History series back in like 2014, I was like, whoa, they're doing educational videos in a really cool way. In like a really cool way that I haven't seen since like Bill Nye or maybe Good Eats is another example. And I was like, I could do videos kind of like that. So I think there's a lot of Crash Course influence in my work. And it maybe has diverged a bit since the beginning days because every new YouTuber I get into I, I take something and I incorporate it. I just can't help but doing that. Yeah. And I think all artists do that. Uh, but for a long time, even when I was a very small YouTuber, I was like, someday I want to be on Crash Course. And uh, it finally happened this year. 
And it was like this very slow, gradual process of networking. And I think it's a great example of that whole fan first mentality. Fan a crash course first, sharing their stuff, hyping them up at every possible instance that I can. And then uh, eventually had the opportunity to meet Hank at VidCon because I got into the mentorship program, which you just apply and you get accepted, I guess. And then uh, at the end of that conversation, I was just like, hey, Hank, what about crash course study skills? And he said, send me a script draft and we'll see. And uh, I sent him a script draft. And I remember him saying in that conversation, like, our content schedule is probably booked for the next year or two, but we can see. And then when the script actually got to his team, they got all excited about it. And they were like, what if we did this this year? So the time scale kind of got accelerated. That's cool. But that resulted in some late nights of writing. But uh, it was a lot of fun. And I got to go to Montana and everything. So um, if you haven't seen the Crash Course stuff to anybody listening, we will have that in the show notes. That was a lot of fun. And then moving to Denver has just been really fun. I don't know. It's been a very eventful year. Yeah, it has. Uh, VidCon, ClamorCon, just a lot of things happened. Everything ending in con. Listen to a lot of Acon. A lot of Acon. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my mom came out here for Thanksgiving, which was really cool. I finally got to like take her hiking and everything. Oh, yeah. So, And then we are heading back to Iowa for Christmas. So this is our last day in Denver. Yeah, for, yeah, for uh, more driving. For about a week. Yay, more driving. Yeah. I'm have excited. fun with that. Hey, at least you only have to drive to Council Bluffs. I have to drive two yeah. more hours on top of that. So, but yeah, that's our that's our year in review. We wanted to just do a pretty casual episode this time, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back yeah. next week with something a little bit more topical. Um, and I'm not going to spoil what it is because I want you to come back and download the next episode out of curiosity. You can't blame me for that. Or at least glance at the title. Yeah. You know? Savvy marketer. <laughs> so if you want to find the show notes for this episode, cigpodcast.com slash 191 is the place you want to go to. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, just click that link in the description down below. We'll have links to at least Crash Course Study Skills, a few of the other things. Um, I was actually going to ask you what yeah, – let's, let's close it with this. What were your three favorite books this year? You read. Three favorite books. Oh, I gotta pull out. <laughs> I'm gonna make you pull out the list. Pull out there. Goodreads. I don't remember what I read this year. Let me check this out. They're gonna be some good books because reading is the best. I'm also going to do a video that will probably come out the day after this episode no, this goes one. live about the eight best books that I read this year. So I will not spoil all of them okay. here, but I do. I, I wanted here. to list three uh-uh. <clears throat> for me, and then three for you. I really liked the slow regard of silent things. And that's the, the Patrick Rothfuss Chronicles. One? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one where it's like on one of the side characters and it's a really weird book where not a lot actually happens, but mm-hmm. like it's just a bunch of beautifully written prose and I love it. Um, I read The Great Passage and I really liked that. That's about What's a the great Japanese passage? company making a dictionary, which sounds, sounds very fun. much like something I would read. That sounds like Martin the Book. And actually, wait, I sent you Martin the Book, which was – Oh, goodbye. That was that was also a good book. I actually I actually enjoyed that. And I feel like the other most impactful book I read this year was probably Turtles All the Way Down from John Green, because Mm -hmm. the main character also struggles with obsessive compulsiveness. And so it was really interesting because because I had figured things out due to his openness. I was like, oh, and look, coincidentally, he is suddenly planning to write a book Mm -hmm. that involves the topic. So I wanted to kind of read it to just to, I don't know, understand more and kind of learn to accept nice. that that my new canon that I have to accept that that's a real thing. Yeah. But 
I thought it was a really cool book, and I think it does a good job of trying to express something through story that's difficult to express normally. Yeah. But those, those are probably my favorite books from the year. I also read a bunch of Spanish books. They weren't oh, my favorite yeah. books, but I am proud that I read more books in Spanish this year. That's good. I think for me, so one of the books is not going to be on the list that I had for the video. Um, one of my favorite books was The Code Book, which, and I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head right now, but we'll have it in the show notes. It was all about the history of cryptography mm, yeah. and it guided you through how like Caesar ciphers work, multi, um, multi-syllabic ciphers, I think they're called, um, all kinds of cool stuff. And now I like, I have a good grasp over Diffie Hellman key exchange and public private key cryptography and all kinds okay, of really cool stuff. Like so it's really cool. And I can never say like, Oh, the code book is an essential book for students, but it was a fascinating book. I love that book. Um, another two that I'll mention, I really liked the Elon Musk biography by Ashley Vance. Okay. I read, so I read the Jeff Bezos biography. I'm about halfway through the Steve Jobs one. And for whatever reason, I've been kind of on and off with that one. And then the Elon Musk one I did recently. And the Elon Musk one was my favorite one. Um, I think all three of those people are definitely flawed in certain ways. Uh, there are definitely parts of their character that I would not want to emulate myself. And I, I strive to be a better person in my personal relationships than they seem to be. But out of all of them, Elon Musk's vision for the future and his 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 seeming like his ability to put all of his net worth on the line for his vision just really inspired me a lot. So I loved that book. And then Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain was a riot. I loved that book. And anybody who reads that needs to get the audible version because he reads it himself. What, what, what actually happens in that book? So that, that book – Something to do with he kitchens. He wrote it when he was still a chef. And it's basically just like an inside look at the world of professional cooking. So it's it's not really it's more of like a, a story about what goes on rather than instructional. Here's about how cooking works. Here's how to cook. It's kind of in between. It so it, it is it is like partly a story in progression through his life as a professional cook. Like it starts when he was a kid, and the first thing that inspired him to love food because most kids Rice don't Krispie care treats. about food. They're just hamburgers. I want to go to McDonald's. Yeah, and then talks about his first job and how he moved up in the world. Uh, it also talks about like a lot of the different restaurants and culture and fine dining in New York City because he said he wrote the book for chefs in New York City. It wasn't like okay. intended for mass market. But there's also like one chapter that's like, so you want to cook well at home. Um, and I learned a few things from that. Okay. Actually, one of the things I remembered a lot was he had a chapter or maybe a segment that was just, why does the food I make at home not taste as good as the food that I get in restaurants? And he just kind of highlighted a few of the differences between how chefs at restaurants cook and how you might cook at home. Um, and one thing that I took away from that was that they use a lot more shallots and we don't. And I was like, what's a shallot? And I learned, oh, that's basically like a sweeter tasting onion. And now yeah. I cook with shallots and it's great. So that book, um, that book is very crass and profane and oh, no. not for little kids to listen to. Um, but you know, it's Anthony Bourdain. I think a lot of people probably <laughs> know that he's a bit of a profane guy anyway. So just keep that in mind if you're going to go buy that for six-year-old Jimmy or something. Yeah. But I loved that book. and I, It's the one book that I am listening to a second time. Already. Oh, yeah? 
I listened to it, and then I listened to his latest book, Medium Raw, which was enjoyable but not nearly as good, I, in my opinion. Um, and now I'm listening to it again. <laughs> it's like one of the – it's a very slapshod production, I would say, in the audio. Like sometimes the chapters, like it will cut off in the middle of his last word and then just immediately go into the next chapter. Like somebody – whoever was editing it didn't put enough uh, dead tone in between chapters. Yeah. And you can tell with his newest book, his narration style is a lot more polished because it's after all of his TV show years. So it, his latest book is much more uh, nicely produced, but there's just something about the first book that is a joy to listen to for me. You know, So those are my three. Um, I kind of like tacked an extra segment on. So again, I'll, I'll let you know the show notes link, cigpodcast.com slash 191 or the description link below on YouTube. Check out those links we'll have in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening. Merry Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever holiday that you happen to be celebrating or no holiday at all. That's fine too. Happy Krimbus. Happy Krimbus. May if you want your pound of hair. Bring you what you want. <laughs> the winter man will bring you what you want. I'm going to watch that. I've already later. started on my pound of hair for next year. Yeah. (laughs) And we will see you, as always, in next week's episode. Stay cute.